Well, hey, church, let's do it. If you got a Bible with you, get it out, turn it on, go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. And last week, we jumped into a new sermon series called Thanksmas 2020. We took a little Thanksgiving, took a little Christmas. You see what we did. We kind of squished them together. And we are celebrating and reflecting on what an awesome year 2020 has been. No, boo, we're not doing that at all. 2020. Right? It's been brutal. I mean, for most of us, it's just been pretty much a kick in the teeth all year long. Not for everyone. There's some good news out there. A couple months ago, I got to do a wedding of this beautiful young couple. I thought, they're going to remember 2020 as a good year. And then a week or two ago, a buddy of mine and his wife had a baby. Okay, They're going to remember 2020 as this really incredible year. But for most of us, Man, 2020 has been really hard. It's taken all that we have, all that we can muster just to get to this point. And so Thanks Miss 2020 is about saying, okay, it's been a really hard year. There's about 40 days left in the year and we have a choice. We can sort of check out. We can just kind of put it on cruise control and just scream for the end of the year, put all our hope in, in turning the calendar and getting to 2021 or we can say, no, we're, we're not going to do that. We're not going to speed to the end of the year. And it might feel like there's a whole bunch of things that are, that are out of our control right now. But what if instead of just hoping to turn the calendar, what if instead we focused on trying to end 2020 well? And we did it by looking at just, focusing on just two things, being grateful and being generous. And when you hear those words, you might go, grateful. What do I have to be grateful for? This year has been terrible. And generous? You want me to be generous? You want me to give something? I don't even have anything to give. 2020 has taken everything that I've got, and I get that. And so we're saying in, in this thanks was 2020, we're saying, all right, it's been tough. But instead of just speeding through the end of the year, what if for the next five or six weeks, instead of just zooming through the holidays and sort of checking out on it all, what if for the next five or six weeks, we actually believed that God was powerful enough to do something in our midst and in our hearts? What if we believe that God is actually bigger than this mess called 2020? He's more powerful than anything that's been wrong with 2020. And he's actually good enough and powerful enough to do something meaningful in our lives. And so that's what Thanks, this is all about. Today, we're going to continue that conversation and we're going to look at just one aspect of it. We're going to ask this simple question Do you have anything to be grateful for? With everything that's going on, do you have anything to be grateful for? So let's get into it. John chapter 6. You probably have heard this story. It might be a familiar story for many of you. Thousands of people had gathered. They'd gone out, they've gone out to see Jesus and to hear him speak. And so there's this enormous crowd that's gathered. Of course, they're outside socially distanced and wearing masks like they should be. And they've, they've gathered to see him and it's awesome. But they start to have this little problem. This huge crowd is now getting hungry and they don't have any food. And you know, when you have a problem, when there's some problem in your life, it's really hard not to focus on that problem. It's really hard not to just think about just that problem. It becomes all-consuming, and we don't think about all the stuff around us, all the stuff that we might have to be grateful for. And so they have this problem. Everyone is hungry. And in this passage, Jesus is going to show us, he's going to model for us, 
that even when life is really hard, even when you have some major problem, even when the calendar says 2020 on it, we still actually have much to be thankful for. So let's get into it. We're going to look at this story with Jesus, and then we're going to zoom out and look at what do we have to be grateful for in our lives. So here's the story. John 6, starting in verse 5. Here's what it says. It says, When Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming toward them, and he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now he asked this only to test him, for Jesus already had in his mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each person to have even a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he spoke up and he said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. There was about 5,000 men there. Okay, stop. Some of you know what's about to happen. You know where this story is going to go, but don't go there yet. Here's the scene. Jesus has been traveling around. He's preaching about his kingdom, this kingdom of forgiveness, this kingdom of love, of grace, of hope, of repentance. He's doing these incredible things. He's healing people. He's restoring people to life. And the folks are hooked. I mean, people love this guy. They want more. They start bringing their friends. They're like, you've got to see this guy. You won't even believe the stuff that he knows, the stuff that he can do. It's awesome. And so they've come out to see Jesus. They've all gathered. They're on this hillside that overlooks the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is preaching and kids are running around laughing and playing. And Jesus is healing people. And it's awesome. But as the day goes on, the afternoon starts to get a little later. It turns into evening. Shadows start to kind of show up on the hillside. And they have this problem. There's no food. And this crowd is enormous. Peter's Lunchable isn't going to feed a bunch of these people, right? Like they don't have enough. And so the disciples, they start to panic a little bit. They start to worry about like, what are we going to to do. These people are, thousands of them are hungry. They're heading towards hangry and we don't have a solution for this. And they start to get anxious. Look what Jesus does. In the middle of what seems to be chaos, in the middle of this sort of messy situation, there's this big crowd, thousands of people, they're getting hungry, turning into a, a, a mob. Watch what he does. Verse 11. It says, Jesus then took the loaves. Remember that little boy with the, the bread? Jesus then took the loaves and he gave thanks. And this is funny to me. This doesn't sit right with me because I read that and I go, what does he have to be thankful for? Here's Jesus. And right now he's, they're captivated. He's got the crowd. But 10, 20,000 people are starting to get angry because they're hungry. They're going to turn into a mob, they're going to riot. And all he's got is a couple pieces of bread that he borrowed from some kid that happened to be walking by. And yet it says that he's thankful. When we talk about gratitude, one of the things I've noticed, at least this is true about me, one of the things that I've noticed is I'm quick to look at my current circumstances. I think about all the things that I don't have, right? So, so in this setting, Think of all the, that they don't have enough food, all the people that don't have enough food. I think about I don't have enough money or I don't have, you know, the house that I want or, you know, 
we don't have companionship or we don't have the perfect health or we don't have the job that we want or whatever it is. We think about all the stuff that we don't have and we frame it, oh, I want to be grateful. I want to be thankful. And I would be if I had fill in the blank. And here's Jesus being grateful, which seems odd because he has Nothing. The Bible even says about this guy, he doesn't even have a pillow to put his head on to go to sleep at night. He has nothing. He's standing in front of this crowd who's hungry. He has just a few pieces of food and he's grateful. And what some of you know about this story is you know he's about to do this miraculous thing. He's going to feed thousands of people with just a few pieces of bread. But back up for a second because he's not there yet. When Jesus gives thanks, when Jesus is grateful, that hasn't happened yet. You don't have enormous piles of bread anywhere. He is literally being grateful for just these five loaves of bread. Yeah, he's about to feed them all, but he hasn't yet, and yet he's grateful. And so it begs the question, what if the miracle never happened? What if Jesus doesn't feed these people? What if the story, we go along, we read the story, and then it just stops. This is the end of the story. Jesus had bread, and he gave thanks. Would there be anything to be thankful for? How about for the people that are there that day? They're hungry, right? If Jesus doesn't feed them, and they go on being hungry, they don't get that meal they need that they want, do they have anything to be thankful for? John writes this story in such a way to show us that even when we're missing the thing that we need, even when we're missing that one thing that we go, if I had that, that would make me thankful. If I had that, I'd be happy and I'd have a grateful heart. Even if we're missing that thing, so take 2020, what's the thing that would make you be grateful in 2020? What is it? If you didn't have to wear a mask anymore, if the schools would open, Right, like all these things we could, we could line up about 2020. But what if we don't get that? What if COVID doesn't go away for two, three, five, ten years? What if the schools don't open? If we don't get that thing that we think will make us happy, do we still have anything to be grateful for? And I think John writes this story, at least in part, to show us yes. We have so much to be grateful for, and Jesus is about to model it for us. We're going to go back to the passage. We're going to, do, we're going to walk through it, sort of do a deep dive, and I want to show you some things along the way. I want to show you some things other than the food, things that are not about the food. They're not about the miracle that John specifically describes to tell us, to point out the things that we have to be grateful for, because here's the deal. It's possible that whatever you think would fix 2020, Whatever it is, you're like, if I had that, 2020 would be resolved. It's possible, Pastor Joe said this last week and we all groaned, we didn't like it. It's possible that thing that we think will fix everything isn't coming. It's possible that 2021 uh, isn't going to be any better than 2020. And if that's the case, do we still have anything to be thankful for. So go back to the passage with me. Let's walk through this. Go back to where he started. John starts in verse five, and he says this, this thing to get us started. He says, when Jesus looked up and he saw, this is how John starts this story. He says, when Jesus looked up and he saw, here's what's cool about this. 
Jesus, creator of the universe, the one who holds everything together, he looks and he sees us. I mean, that in and of itself is incredible. He doesn't ignore us. He doesn't go, you know, I'm kind of busy here. Jesus looks and he sees us. It's amazing. Something to be grateful for. Just barely getting started, something to be grateful for. If we keep going, Jesus looked up and he saw, what did he see? He saw a great crowd and it says it was coming toward them. Now, this is cool. Jesus, standing on the hillside, says, come on toward me. He says, I'm approachable. Jesus doesn't go, no, 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 I'm, I'm far off. Jesus doesn't stay hidden from us. Jesus doesn't hide himself in a temple. Jesus doesn't hide behind a priest. Jesus says, I'm fully approachable. Anyone who wants Come to me. He's telling them, come on, bring that whole crowd to me. I love them. I want to see them. I want to be with them. Bring them to me. And then he does this, this really cool thing. Jesus asks Philip. He sees the crowd and he says to Philip, he says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And you could miss this. This one little word is amazing. He says, where shall we buy bread? I think this is so cool. When Jesus makes plans, he thinks about us. When Jesus makes his plans, he includes us in his plans. This is the life of a Christ follower right here, that we are brought into God's family. And Jesus says, now it's we. It's not me and you. No, it's we. It's we are all one family united in God. And we share a mission. Jesus brings us into his mission. He brings us into his plans. He makes us part of the family. This is we. We're never alone. This is we. That's the life of living and following Christ. It's we. It says this. It says that Jesus asked him this question about where shall we get the bread. He says he asked Philip this question only to test him. Now you might go, okay, Jesus tests us. Why would that be something that I would be grateful for? That doesn't sound like any fun. But why does Jesus test us? Jesus tests us. Get this. Because Jesus actually wants to be even closer to us than he is right now. Jesus wants to be closer to you today than he was yesterday. He wants to be closer to you tomorrow than he is right now. He wants you to trust him more. And so Jesus tests us so that he will know our faith. He wants to be close to us. He wants to have a relationship with us. And so tests are because Jesus loves us and he wants to be close to us. And so he tests us. Keep going. It says there's a reason he asked this. It was just to test him for he already, Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. Now, this is really cool. This is something to be grateful for. Jesus is never overwhelmed. Jesus is never surprised. Everything that happens, Jesus knows, cool as a cucumber. And isn't it true that when you reach out to somebody for help, when you call like an expert, don't you want them to know what they're talking about? You want to know that they can actually help you, right? So if you go to the dentist, don't you want her to know what she's doing? You don't want her just sticking that drill in there and go, let's see what we can come up with. Let's see what we can uncover here. No, you want it to know, hey, she knows what she's doing. When you take your car to the mechanic, they start pulling out the engine, taking stuff apart. You want to know, like, you better know what you're doing if you're just taking my car apart. When we reach out for help, we want to know that there's an expert. We want to know that someone can help us, right? So at our house, we, we had to call an electrician in our basement. All the lights just stopped working. Hit the switch. They just stopped working one day. Every one of them. So 
we call, a, we call an electrician and he comes out. And you know when someone comes to help you, you, you know pretty quick whether or not, at least it seems, whether or not they know what they're talking about, they know what they're doing. So this guy comes in and he starts rooting around and he's there for two hours and he's bringing in equipment, he's bringing in tools. We don't know what he's doing. He's banging around and he comes out and he goes, well, I figured out the problem. It's been two hours. He says, I figured out the problem. Um, all your light fixtures died. And we went, really? Like all at once? And he goes, yeah, they all died at once. You got to replace them all. Nothing I can do. 200 bucks. And he leaves. So clearly that didn't solve anything. And he didn't know what he was doing. So we call another electrician. Guy comes out to the house, like 30 minutes. He tightens some things. He fixes something, rewires something. Bada bing, bada boom, done. All the lights work again, right? No problem. When you ask for help, when you're going to follow someone, you want to know that they know what they're doing. And here's Jesus, already has had in his mind what he's going to do. Do you know that when 2020 started, Jesus already knew what he was going to do? Jesus already has his next move planned. It's not like 2020 happened and he goes, oh, gee, dad, what are we going to do with this mess? And he's scrambling around up there. Jesus already knows in his mind what he's going to do. I am so grateful for that. Because I, in my mind, it's, it's chaos, it's, it's panic, it's anxiety. And here's Jesus, steady as ever, never surprised by anything that comes up. More reasons to be grateful. Keep going. Uh, Andrew. Andrew is Peter's brother. Andrew says, hey, there's a boy over here. This boy has five small loaves of bread and two small fish. And then watch what he says. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus, there's 10, 15, 20,000 people here. How are we going to feed them with just a little snack? And I love what Jesus is about to do. Jesus doesn't go, Andrew, you idiot. Don't you know who I am? Andrew, you've seen what I can do. You've seen all the, the, the impressive things that I've done. No, no, no. Jesus doesn't do that. Why? Because Jesus goes, it's okay. You have some doubts. That's all right. Bring me your doubts. Jesus actually welcomes our doubts. That when we run up to something, against something in life and we start to panic and we start to get nervous, we go, I don't know what's going to happen. Jesus goes, that's okay. Bring that to me. He doesn't rebuke Andrew. He says, your doubt is okay. Bring it to me. And then, and then jump down. Watch what he does. Jesus says, okay. He says, have the people sit down. Why does Jesus say that? Because when you're in Jesus' presence, what he wants you to experience is rest. And it's peace. And so Jesus says, have all the people come in here and just have them sit down, take a load off, relax. It's Jesus' way of saying, I've got this. Sit down. I, I can handle this problem. And then he says one more thing. John writes this. Jesus says, have the people sit down. John writes there was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. Some translations say there was plenty of green grass in that place. Why on earth does John waste ink to tell us that there's green grass here? I love when the Bible really comes alive, when the stories come out and you can see them and you can smell them and you can hear them and you can feel what it's like. See, What's happening is that they've all gathered on this hillside, this hillside that overlooks the Sea of Galilee. And it's springtime. And in this area, during the spring, that hillside would have been covered in wildflowers and thick, wild green grass. 
And so Jesus says, come and sit down. And oh, I don't want my children to sit in the dirt. I've made space for you to sit. And there's this comfortable place to sit. And it's not just that. It's beautiful to the eye. There's flowers everywhere. And there's this beautiful grass. And it's lush and it's thick. And they look out over the gorgeous sea of Galilee. It's tremendous, all these things that show up in this story. And we just did sort of this skim through it. And we found, what, 9, 10, 12, I don't know, things to be thankful for yet. And we haven't fed anybody yet. We haven't gotten to the good part. We haven't gotten to the miracle Just in this moment, John writes in his gospel all the things there are to be thankful for. He says, slow down. Because if you only focus on the problem, if you only focus on what you don't have, you will miss all the things that you have to be thankful for. Is it possible that when we measure gratefulness, We measure the wrong things. Is it possible that we miss, we overlook the green grass and the wildflowers and the fact that this Jesus is approachable and the fact that Jesus sees us and loves us and cares about us and the fact that Jesus already knows everything, he already knows his next move? Are those things that we could be Grateful for? Thankful for? Gosh, I, th- I think so. Here's Jesus on this hillside giving gratitude to God. And it's not for the miracle that's about to happen. It's for everything that already has happened and everything that already is. Question for you. What would it take for you to be grateful? You look at 2020. Name it, just in your head, name it. What would it take for you to be grateful? That you could throw away your stupid mask? That the, the schools would be open? That perfect health? I mean, what is it? That your candidate wins the election? What would it take for you to be grateful in the year 2020? And listen, I'm talking to myself because I have been an arrogant, angry child in 2020. I have been so frustrated and so fed up that I have overlooked everything good in my life. I'm guilty of this. What's it going to take to stop and look and see the things that we have to be grateful for? And I, I want to say this. I'm not asking this in the abstract. I'm asking this in reality. So for some of you, things are bad right now. For some of you, there's something really scary going on. For some of you, there's something that has happened in your life recently that knocked you down, knocked you off your feet. There is something that has happened in 2020. It's the loss of a loved one. It's the loss of a relationship or a job. I don't know what it is. It's a health scare. There is something that has ripped you apart inside. That's real. And the question remains, What would it take for us to be grateful? Listen to this. Listen to what King David says. He writes this in Psalm 13. It starts like this. He says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day 
have sorrow in my heart. It's like, did David write this in the year 2020? It, like, it's real. Listen to how it turns to being grateful, how he finishes just a couple of verses later. He says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. I want to be like that. I want to stop and see the wildflowers and the beautiful grass. Even when I don't have what I want, if I'm hungry or whatever it is, I want to stop and be grateful that I have people around me, even when I can't send my kids to school because of COVID. I want to stop and rejoice in God's salvation, not just on Sunday morning, but on Tuesday afternoon and Friday night. I want to be like this. What would it take for us to be like Jesus, who in the middle of a really messy situation is just grateful? Go back to the passage. Remember, five loaves, two fish. They're not even big fish. The word here is like for sardines or something. They're these tiny little things. Listen to this. Verse 11, Jesus took the loaves and he gave thanks. And he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. And so they gathered them and they filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. See, what happened is Philip and Andrew and these guys, they stopped seeing Everything, all the goodness that they had around them, they start focusing on the problem and it's all they can think about is how are we going to solve this problem? They stop being grateful for the things around them and they forget that standing right next to them is this guy named Jesus and he can do anything. And I read that and it just blows me up. Some of us, have forgotten to be thankful. We've focused on everything that we're mad about, everything that we have to complain about, everything that we don't have. We've stopped seeing the goodness that is all around us. We've stopped seeing the good things that God has brought into our life. And we've forgotten that standing right next to us, walking with us, holding our hand, is a guy named Jesus. And he can do everything. And what I love about this passage is that Jesus doesn't just give them a little. He doesn't go, sure, here's a bite. There's leftovers. Man, God gives lavishly. Like, it wasn't even hard for him. And you know, it strikes me that when God gives, it might not be exactly what we want. You know there were people complaining, oh, fish again. Man. Uh, I need gluten-free bread, if you could please give me that. I'm on a diet. There were people complaining, right? This isn't what I wanted. But God gives lavishly. We're going to finish up in a minute, but I have a homework assignment for you. Take this passage and do again what we've just done. Walk through this passage. Just go away, quiet. Get to a quiet space just for a couple minutes. This week, go through this passage. Circle, underline, highlight things that you see in here. You go, that's something to be thankful for. I gave you a bunch, but I'm sure that I missed some. Go into the passage and do that. And then maybe jot down a little list of things 
in your life that you have to be thankful for, things that you've been overlooking, things that you've been taking for granted that you haven't been being grateful for. Do that as a homework assignment this week. Next week, we have a challenge. We have a homework assignment for us as a church family. We're going to turn gratitude out into into generosity. But think about, go back and think about some of those green grass and wildflower things that maybe you've overlooked. Just a couple of thoughts I want to end with today quickly as I, I looked at this story. Something about people sitting on the hillside getting hungry. There's no restaurants. There's no supermarkets. There's, there's no solution. And they're sort of just waiting for something to change. They're kind of just waiting for something to happen. And I thought, man, that's 2020. Frustrated, like we're, we're angry, we're disappointed, we're discouraged. And there's not really much we can do, as, at least as individuals we feel like. And so we're just kind of just waiting for something to change, waiting for something to happen. And it's like, okay, we can wait and we can just be mad and frustrated and we can go, how long, Lord, is this going to keep going? Like impatient children. And I'm one of them. But then we miss out on everything that we have to be thankful for. So slow down. If we want to finish this year well, what does that, gener- or what does that gratitude look like? Write down a couple things if you're a note taker. Two things, just quick little reminders. One is that God is the source. God is the source of all good Things. Everything that you have that is good in your life, it is from God. Even if it's just a little bit good, it's from God. Even if you have rejected God, even if to this point in your life you have been running away from God, the good that you have in your life, it is from God. It's not because we're deserving, but God is just really that good. And if you're thinking like, it's kind of hard for me to think of anything that I have to be grateful for right now, let me help you. You're alive. You have breath in your lungs. You have people around you, either here on campus or if you're joining us online, people that want to connect with you, people that want to be in a church family with you. We're gathering. We live in a nation where we're gathering to freely worship God. Nobody's taking that away from us. We have much to be thankful for. If you can't think of anything else, Pastor Joe pointed this last week, if you can't think of anything else to be thankful for, you have the salvation of Jesus Christ. God loves you, and he sent his son, Jesus, to die for you, to forgive you of your sins, and to give you hope, and to free you from shame. Can we be grateful for that? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you can today. Jesus says, come to me. Bring me your mess. Bring me all your baggage. I love you. Come to me. God is the giver and the source of all good things in your life. He was yesterday. He is today. And he will be tomorrow and forevermore. The second thing I want to say is that God regularly gives us more than we need. There's just this thing about Jesus that he wants to say, come here, come here, come here, sit down, take a load off, sit down on the green grass in my presence, relax, I got this. And he wants to be able to give to us and he wants to be able to give more and he wants us to be grateful for it so that he can give us even more. And he doesn't want us to focus on what we don't have because he wants to continue to give us more and more. That's the character of God. Jesus talks about 
God this way in Matthew. Talks about how generous he is. He says, which one of you, Jesus speaking, says, which one of you, if your son asks for bread, you'd give him a stone. Or if he asks for fish, you'd give him a snake. And so if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Did you notice that Jesus mentioned bread and fish? Almost like he knew what was going to happen on that hillside a little while later. I love this. Jesus says, if you need something, just ask. Because my father is the giver of all good things. And he wants to give you what you need. And then some. So thanks, Miss 2020. Let me just push it back to you. How do you want to end this year? Do you want to end this year frustrated, mad, discouraged, angry about masks and quarantining and schools and health and all kinds of stuff? I mean, that stuff's real. Don't get me wrong. That's real. But is that the story that we want to write about 2020? Is that the story we want it to end with? That we're just mad and we want it to be over. And we've placed all our hope in 2021. Or will we be grateful? Will you take an inventory of the good things that you do have in your life? And I'm not saying it's perfect. Mine's certainly not. Yours isn't either. But can you take an inventory of the good things that you have in your life? Can you just take a deep breath of the fall air? With a mask on, of course. Of the fall air. Can you stop and see the green grass and the wildflowers in your life? And here's the deal. If you need something, just ask God. He's a good dad, and he's the giver and source of all good things. Pray with me. God, you are good. You are Good, you are good, the giver of all good things. God, we like to focus on what we don't have. We like to focus on what's wrong. We become consumed by things. If I just had this, if I just had this or this or that, then I would be grateful. God, forgive us where we've acted like children. Forgive us where we haven't been thankful. God, the, the truth is there are people listening and watching today online. There are people gathered here who have some really painful things in their life. They're experiencing heartache, confusion. They're sad. They're lonely. God, those are real. God, open your arms that we could come running. As you say, come to me and bring it all with you. Open your arms that we could come running to you, that we would lay that down before you and we would find rest on the green grass and we would find peace and joy in your presence. God, help us to be a people defined by gratitude, not selfish children. Help us to see 
all the goodness that there is in our life, to see all the ways that you've always walked with us and you will walk with us into tomorrow and you already know what you're going to do. You're an expert with all the answers. God, thanks for loving us and thank you for sending Jesus. We are grateful. Our hearts rejoice in your salvation and sing praises to you, Lord, for you have been good to us. It's through Christ I pray. Amen.